Welcome to the Mindset Reset Podcast. My name is John Marty, and on the show, we dive into the mindsets of the world's foremost thought leaders and turn them into actionable insights so that you can discover greater happiness, success, and fulfillment. Today's topic, a formula for greater happiness. Our guest is David Meltzer. David has a crazy story. At 32 years old, he made over $100 million, but he lost it all because of his ego. He clawed himself out of rock bottom, became the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, one of the fastest growing sports and entertainment marketing agencies in the world. And to top it off, he's a three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach, the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show, Elevator Pitch, and host of the top entrepreneur podcast, The Playbook. David's mission is to empower over a billion people around the world to be happy. Enjoy. David, man, thanks so much for coming on. I've been consuming a ton of your content. And I've been taking away this insatiable drive to make a ton of money. But I see this kind of change towards this feeling of purpose, helping others. And I'd love to dig into that initial kind of origin story. What really is driving you behind the scenes? You know, for me, it's the internal competition. You know, there were several layers of competition that I was born innately. I call it a quantum memory or, you know, other people call it unconscious competency, that I was just a very competitive human being. And so one, I was born into a family with six kids and I was born with a mom that was super hyper academic that was pushing for hyperacademia. And so, number one, I had the drive to be better than all my siblings at everything they were better at. And I even told my dad at one time, who had left when I was five, that I was gonna be the best at everything. Like, that's kind of the sickness that was within me. Well, to distinguish myself within that competition internally, you know, we were extremely happy and I started realizing that it'd be very difficult to stand out competitively academically in my family. I'm not joking. I could graduate in my family with all my cousins and uncles and aunts and everyone, summa cum laude from Harvard, and it was no big deal. It's been done before. But to play high school football and let alone play in college, oh my God, I was the one. So that brought the athletic side of my mission. The other thing is I had this extraordinary mom, I still do by the way, and she invested in us so much that I was super happy. I mean, I was a really happy poor kid in Akron. I I lived down past Lawson's in a bad area. Ron was, and, you know, born in Akron general. I grew up in a tough neighborhood, but I was super happy. The only time I wasn't happy is I'd come in when the lights turned on in the street and I'd catch my mom crying because the washer broke or the car needed repair or she was on the phone screaming at my dad for money because you know, how are we going to send these kids? How are we going to feed these kids? And in my mind, what I got really competitive about was I was going to make a lot of money so I could be happy all the time. That I wasn't going to have any financial stress in my life because I had everything else under control. I was happy, man. So I was going to buy my mama house in a car. I was going to make sure that I never had to worry about money. In my perspective, I was going to make a million dollars. I would tell everyone, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to make a million dollars, buy my mom a house, buy my mom a car, and retire on a million dollars, right? And 
this internal competitiveness that I must be what I can be drove me in athletics and drove me money-wise, but I did go through a shift in the paradigm of my relationship to money. Money's never dropped off of the primary importance. My motto of my business, make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. Money's super important, but my relationship to that currency, the object of energy that we put into the flow has changed dramatically from going from nowhere to now here to nowhere to now here. Just a little wording specialty. I've been able to shift the paradigm so that I actually can live a more fulfilled, purposeful, passionate, and profitable life. Do you think that your dad leaving when you were five had you know major impact on your drive? I think things activate what is inside of us. It, we have different potentials, and you know that drive is one of my potentials. If I would tell you I wanted to be the best basketball player, well, my potential is not that great. You know, just like. Athletics. I've reached close to my potential at times, and I was an average Division three football player and track guy and baseball player. But you really have to understand the activation process of why our activities that we get paid for, activities we don't get paid for, our sleep are so important into the conscious continuum of what I believe to be the formula of happiness to enjoy the consistent every single day, persistence without quit, pursuit of your own potential. And so, yes, I have a very high potential and my dad leaving activated the epigenetic layer of my DNA, my core inner being. It activated it and said, hey man, you got to step up. Let's see what's going on. And if I was born with a rich dad that spoiled me and you know bought me everything, and I wonder if that ever would have been activated and how close to my potential I'd be living right now and where I'd be. Yeah, I don't think it would be because I mean, it seems like your whole family has been really high achievers. A lot of that is rooted in growing up in Akron, being poor, seeing your mom, going through his experiences. So you talk about a formula for happiness. What do you feel like the formula for happiness is? Because so many young individuals that I talk to are so incredibly lost. They don't know what the formula is for happiness and they think it is purely the pursuit of money. And I think there's something there, right? Because you need financial freedom. People are needing the security, right? To get out of poverty or whatever it might be. But like, what do you think that formula is for young people? Well, first, the paradigm needs to be, there is no pursuit of happiness. Once you change your perspective, and Chris Gardner is a friend of mine, the guy that did the movie with Will Smith, Pursuit of Happiness. He wrote, Chris Gardner that guy. Well, I told him, dude, you're ruining people because there is no pursuit of happiness. Happiness is the pursuit. Happiness is the activity of pursuing. And so that enjoyment of the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of your potential, that's happiness. So how do we enjoy it? How are we happy pursuing, right? Well, first of all, people don't mind hard. They mind long. Like if I told you right now, you and I are gonna go balls to the wall for 10 minutes, you'd be like, okay. But if I told you, you and I are gonna go 20% for three days, you'd be like, dude, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> so. To that context, you're pursuing your happy. You're expanding, you're growing and accelerating. You're part of the oneness of the universe, which is expanding, growing, and accelerating. And in order to understand happiness, here's the four values that bring you to the mindset, the heart set, and the activities that make you happy. There's three components. So you have control of your mindset, you have control of your heart set, the way you feel, and you have control of what you think, say, do, believe, and identifying the unconscious competencies, personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions that lead to your potential. So here they are. Number one, gratitude. I know this is Thanksgiving. Gratitude's everything. Why? 
because gratitude controls your mindset. Gratitude is the steering wheel to your perception. It allows you to find light, love, and lessons in everything. And so I've created a formula of pursuing happiness that if I'm not happy, the first step is to stop. Why? Because I don't want to accelerate in the wrong direction. I don't want to allow my ego, primary fears or secondary fears of the ego in order to accelerate me in the wrong direction. If you just stop for a minute and use that power of gratitude to control your mindset, to steer you in the right direction, now pain doesn't become the stop sign. It's an indicator, a turn signal to put you in a better place, a better position or make your situation better. It's a turn signal because it's telling you only one thing. Pain's telling you, hey man, you got something to learn, get excited, we're gonna put you in a better place. And then two, suffering is a process. So there's no negative energy to me in my perception of, I'm gracious for suffering, like you're saying, growing up in Akron, poor mom, two jobs, packing my dinner, and you know, I'm in the sports entertainment world. I'll go to restaurants like Mastro's and Ruth Chris, three, four, sometimes even five times a week, no boo. And I sit there laughing as I sit back in my chair going, gosh, I get probably less excited than when my mom would take me to Swenson's and get two orders of tater tots, put them into a bowl, and all six kids would get to share that. That was a huge day, right? Why? I was in control of my steering wheel, my mindset with gratitude. I was grateful for two bags of tater tots with six kids. I'm not as grateful today, or I try to be, but I can't be is grateful for a steak and lobster dinner with a dirty martini and you know six salads and whatever else extravagant you know buying things that people don't need to impress people we don't like that we do with food so the second thing beyond gratitude is forgiveness and you know what i learned about forgiveness is it's the best tool to grow people are like what are you talking about forgiveness is the best tool to grow well if you're pursuing and you're happy you're going to make a shitload of mistakes There's no doubt about it. If you're pushing yourself, you're going to make mistakes. Now, if you're high, sick, broke on your mom's couch, dreaming about what you want, you're not going to make many mistakes. But if you're out there like me, starting businesses, helping people, trying things, pushing yourself to your limits, you're going to make mistakes. The only cure to mistakes, you got the steering wheel to guide you. The only cure to mistakes is what? Forgiveness. And there's only one person to forgive, yourself. Most at other people for shit you don't like. I tell a story about my dad, which I'm sure you know, that I thought I hated my dad because he was a liar, cheater, overseller, back-end seller, manipulator. He gave me a jacket with no pockets telling me I'd be buried in it, that I needed to learn money doesn't buy love. I couldn't be the richest man in the cemetery. It took me six years till that jacket saved my life because I realized, shit, I got to forgive myself because I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm an overseller, back-end seller, and I push myself to learn those lessons, to find those mistakes, and now I'm very comfortable. The highest frequency we have is neutral, peace. Forgiveness gives us peace. It keeps us in neutral so that when we stop and identify that we're in the wrong trajectory, allowing us to pursue in neutral our highest frequency, forgiveness is that tool that guarantees we're going to continue to what? Be consistent and persistent so we don't quit. Forgiveness doesn't let us quit. And then finally, the third value is a weird one, is accountability. Now, why is it accountability? Because people think accountability is liability. They're not. Liability is who pays the damages legally in the pragmatic world that we live in, right? Someone hits you from behind in a car, they're liable, seek the damages, get your car fixed, any injuries to you, 
they're liable. But you better be asking the bigger question that gives you control of your life instead of worrying about and being a victim in a world of not enough, everything happens to me. I got hit from behind. Why me? Why me? Not me. I'm a try me. I'm like, you know what? This guy's liable. But more importantly, what did I do to attract this to myself? Because I want to stop doing those things that are going to attract this lesson. I don't want this lesson of getting hit from behind. What is my lesson? Oh, you know what? Make sure you pull up a little bit farther or look behind you when you're just sitting there, whatever the lessons are, so it doesn't happen again. But control of your life is essential, especially because today people tell you we're in this huge time of uncertainty. I say bullshit, bullshit. If you can tell me or your audience can tell me or my audience can tell me at any time what's going to happen tomorrow for sure with certainty, I'll guarantee we'll make billions of dollars together. I'll give all mine to charity. I don't care. There is no certainty. What's the issue at hand is accelerated change. We're accelerating and things are changing so fast that we have to rethink traditional institutions that have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And you're worried about uncertainty that always exists. You should be worried about how and what I can control because things are changing outside of me. I can't find outside of me what I can't find inside of me. So accountability gives me complete control because I am always learning what I am doing in order to effectuate what I want in a consistent, persistent, pursuant manner. And all three of these values come together with this shift in the paradigm, the paradigm that led me to money doesn't buy happiness or love, but it allows me to shop. And if I shop for the right things, I'll live an inspired life. What does that mean? I came from nowhere. I was now here. I went back to nowhere. I lost over $100 million. Now I'm here again. You give your life away. You don't give your life away by giving to receive. The more I give, the more I receive. Don't do that. No, the more you receive, the more you can give. The more you receive from the greatest source of light, love, and lessons with no interference, appreciate it, add value to it, and give it away. Oh my God, let life come through you. You can't take anything with you when you're gone like that jacket my dad gave me with no pockets. You can't with you when you're gone. Allow things to come through you. Receive first so you can give. I love that. When you think about money, like a dollar made versus giving to the community, where do you really find the most fulfillment? Or do you find fulfillment in the middle there? Yeah, that's so interesting because I'm a math person. And you know, I struggled with this dynamic when I was young and made a ton of money and I would give to receive, I would give to, you know, charitable organizations for acknowledgement and recognition and ego and what other people thought, impressing other people, even people I didn't like and organizations I didn't like. I'd give money just to get that back. And so for me, it became math. And so how do I effectuate what I want through a distribution channel? So whether it's a dollar, a hundred dollars, a hundred million dollars, it doesn't matter. To me, it's what percentage of what I receive goes where. And it's predetermined and unemotional. So I scientifically, mathematically ask for help, guidance, find people who sit in the situation and say, all right, if this percentage goes to charity, local, regional, state, national, and international charity, what percentage of that percentage is going to go to each one? And stick to it from the first dollar to the hundred millionth dollar, stick to the predetermined distribution that allows me to effectuate mathematically the acceleration growth and compound interest that I want to experience so that I can give more. Mm, I love that answer, man. You have such a 
spiritual aspect of you when you speak. And, you know, I'm wondering where that really came from. You mentioned Dr. Sangeeta Sahi quite often in meditation. And in your book, Connected Goodness, you talk about like tapping into goodness. When was the first time you tapped into goodness? And I'm really interested to know about like, did your failure of losing your, you know, 33 houses and your mountain, your golf course, all those things, was that kind of the impetus for you really diving into this spirituality or where did that come from? It's a great question. I'm one of the few people that bottomed out or went through my quantum shift two years before I lost over a hundred million dollars. Now everything leads up, right? There's an accumulation of lessons. There was a transition between two currencies and the first currency, as you know, I was hyper-focused on the currency of money. Money is an object of energy that we put into the flow to get what we want. And then there's this transformation, a transition from strictly money-oriented focus, attention, and intention for the coincidences I want to blend in spirituality and faith. And faith and spirituality, faith itself is a currency. It's an object of energy that you put into the flow to get what you want. What does that mean? That through this transition up until my quantum shift of two years before I lost everything, I had admired my multimillionaire aunt and I interned for her when I was in law school and she meditated and she chanted and she was a Buddhist and I got exposed to that. And guess what? I wasn't ready to hear it, but it planted a seed for somebody else to water. And so throughout my journey, I had been blessed, my family very religious, blessed with seeds of faith. And I was resistant to the seeds. They weren't ready to water. And I would say one of my greatest goals is to plant seeds under trees that I'll never sit under. And that's what happened to me. People planted seeds, aunts, uncles, family, schools. And the funny thing was, I was focused in on the one currency, but seeds were being planted in me for the other currency. And catalytically, you know, certain things happen like me going so far off track and my wife threatening to leave me and lose everything. Two years before I actually did was a catalyst that I think really started to water the seeds that, God, there's all this data. I have all these seeds here and a little bit of sprout about law of attraction, the secret, you know, I was working with these guys and then another sprout about meditation. By the way, what you know from my book, I was motivated to meditate because the lady convinced me that she could teach me when to buy or sell through awareness by raising my vibration of awareness. So money, that currency was a catalyst for me to understand the blend of faith of where the real power, the spirituality was. And so for me, it's that continual learning. Now I've accelerated through compound interest that focus so much that, you know, I am a quantum healer. I meditate, theta meditation every day. I sit on the Transformational Leadership Council with Jack Canfield, Rob Proctor, Brian Tracy, Sharon Lecter, John Asaroff, Cynthia Kirsten, like the world thought leaders, Deepak Chopra. That's my community. And I started as a very closed-minded, money-focused individual with good intention. When young people are just kind of venturing out into the world, right? Like what you did, you were chasing that money. Still do. I still chase money. Exactly. I know I chase money in corporate America too, right? Like working at Amazon. I was chasing the dollar signs as well because it gives me leverage. And so I'm trying to think like, what do you recommend that somebody who's young does when it comes to starting their chase, right? Because there's all these talks about follow your purpose, follow your passion, but maybe those things don't pay. What do you do? 
Yeah. So number one, take daily inventory of your own values. Take daily inventory of who you are, of who you are, so you can determine what you want every day. So I say, look at my personal values today, knowing that I don't know what I don't know. Look at my experiential values. What do I want to do today to get 1% better, 2% better, 10% better? What are my giving values? What value or service do I want to provide for others? You know, I can babysit here, clean a car, do a good deed, put trash away. What can I do to be of service or value? And then finally, what do I want, the what to receive? And if we know our values and just take a few moments to take inventory each day and don't be afraid of being a hypocrite, be radically humble. Know at a young age, I don't know what I don't know. The best way to figure out what I want is to find someone that has what I want and ask them for directions. And they'll be more than willing to help me because there are no gatekeepers. There's only sponsors and power sponsors. We're all one. There's no reason that someone else would not help me or know somebody that can help me. It's that simple. And so take inventory of your who every day. Don't be afraid of learning, making mistakes, being radically humble, asking for help. And living in that, you will accelerate and grow. The other thing that I would try to teach them, I would study Einstein's rule of 72, compound interest. Atomic habits, James Clear, you know, one degree turns into a huge excess or void. One degree a day. And with compound interest, with the rule of 72 with Einstein, you know, things will double within the context of which percentage you want to grow by 72 segments. So, you know, if I'm going to improve 1% every day, I'll double every 72 days. But compound interest is essential. Why? Because it allows us not to quit. And I'll use Gary Vaynerchuk since he's a fairly popular dude and my mentor. Gary asked me, I was 50 years old at the Super Bowl. It was almost four Super Bowls ago. And he said, hey, you should really build your brand. You got great books, great speeches, but this social media is built for you. A guy like you, I'm like, nobody my age does that. He's like, you could do it. So what would you want to do? I immediately said to him, well, if I'm going to do this, I want two ambassadors in year one. And he said, well, what, what's an ambassador? You mean a follower? I said, no, no, no. I know what followers are. I'm not that out of it. I, I want two ambassadors. I want two people like John that are going to every year get me two more people to watch my videos, read my books, do all the things that you do. Ambassadors that are out there. And he said, two, why is that worth your time? I said, because I'll be the most popular 70-year-old on earth with the most impact by getting two people a year. And he said, really? I said, you know when I'll be halfway there? He said, 10 years. I said, no, 19 years. 19 years because of compound interest. See, my mindset already knows that in year one, I'll get two, year two, I'll get four, year five, I'll have 64. People be laughing, scoffing, and making fun of me at year five, telling me, Dave Meltzer, you're wasting time. Your content is BS. Nobody likes you. Nobody follows you. Nobody knows who you are. You have 64 people out there every year getting 64 more people to get 60 more people. And then there comes a time, you know, after 18 years, when I'm 25% of the way there, that I have a, a decent following. And after 19 years, I'm 50% of the way there with a million people. And then year 20, I'm 2 million people there getting me 2 million. Year 21, I'm 4 million people getting me 4 million. Why? Because my focus was on compound interest, doing what it takes to compound, not to just grow at a linear man-made construct of time where everybody, 99% of the people quit before they're 25% of the way there because they're not prepared for 18 segments. They're prepared for half the segments. 
another 99% of the 1% quit when they're 50% there, which is really sad because they're so close. And that's that whole poem, don't quit. They're so close to getting there. So I would tell myself, take inventory, don't be afraid of hypocrite, be radically humble, ask for help. And most importantly, learn the rule of 72 from Einstein. Yeah, that's really smart, man. I think so many people quit early and they're looking for the quick hits and you don't get it there, right? I mean, Gary Vee talks about just the sticking power, staying with something for 20 years and just doing it over and over and constantly experimenting. That's what it takes. Oh yeah, that's the consistent, persistent behavior. Look, that's why the number one common denominator is, you know, on my podcast, I have the greatest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, media, billionaires, billionaires, entrepreneurs. The most common denominator between all those people is that they must be what they can be, right? What does that mean? If you must be what you can be, you'll do and enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. You won't quit. Mm. Well, David, you gave such a great primer. I think a lot of young people can take away some tidbits here that'll help them along their journey. And I love the mission that you're on. Thanks so much. Thank you. Please, everyone, reach out to me. You'll give it in the show notes. I have free Friday trainings, exercise books, guides. Tra- everything's free. So just reach out. You'll give that david at dmelter.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The two big takeaways for me in this episode are number one, happiness is the pursuit not the destination. I think so many of us get caught up in this mental model that happiness is a destination. It's a if-then statement for happiness. If I get this thing, then I'll be happy. But what David really illustrates here is that happiness is the pursuit. We have to find the happiness in the pursuit. The next thing is take daily inventory of who you are and what you want in life. Okay, my friends, thanks so much for listening to the episode. Share this episode with your network so that they can also learn the formula for happiness. Be sure to subscribe. So much more content coming your way.